0: And I am so excited to tell you the results of last week's very special offering. Wasn't that amazing? We invited those who'd like to sponsor a pastor in Burundi at the Pastors Conference. We invited people to come forward, and if they'd like to make a special donation, grab an envelope and put $25 in it and help sponsor a pastor at the Pastors Conference. Well, we were just... Flooded with people who wanted an envelope, and what really moved me was a number of very young people who said, "We want to. We want to participate. We want to do this." I, had one family, it was a mom and the dad and then the kids. They all came, got an envelope to help sponsor a Pastor. Uh, I gotta tell you, that just that set me up for the whole week. I'm still excited about that. So here's the results. We needed $2,500. And to date, we have uh, almost $3,000. <laughs> Praise God. And so that last $500, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to take my family out for supper. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what we're going to be able to do, and this is so exciting. We just heard from Delson, who is the director in uh, Bujumbura, the director of the Village of Hope Burundi. And I said, are there there any special needs that the pastors have? And he said, well, uh, actually, uh, some of them, many of them, don't have any Bible study helps. So they're preparing messages. They've got no access to the internet. They've got no library. Uh, All they've got is their Bible, which is great. But they said it would be really nice if we could provide them with a Bible dictionary, so I said, well, we've got extra funds in, so those who need a Bible dictionary will be able to buy them one. It's only $12. We're so excited about that. And I said, what about Bibles? He goes, well, they all, most of them, all, most of them have Bibles, he said. I'm talking about pastors here. Most of them have Bibles. Now, connect the dots here. Something's not right with this picture. So I said, well, what we'd like to do is make sure that everybody has a good Bible. So the extra funds that have come in, folks, I want you to know it's going to go towards getting extra Bibles for the pastors and also providing them with a Bible dictionary. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Unless you've been in a third world country and you've seen extreme poverty, you can't imagine what it is like for these pastors. They have nothing. 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 And so what we're going to be able to do for this three-day pastors' conference is we're not, not only are we going to give them that package of, of uh, supplies for um, writing and uh, taking notes, etc., but we'll be able to give them a package of food for them to take home to feed their family. We're going to be able to give them uh, funds for transportation to and from the conference, and we'll be able to, uh, for many of them, provide them with a Bible and or a Bible dictionary. And it's because... Of you that this is happening. So I want to just say, God bless you and thank you so much. And if you want to continue to, to give towards that cause, by all means, send it in and we'll use it uh, 100% of it for this work in Burundi. We're excited about that. Now, we are continuing this morning with our series on Cross Church Goes to Israel. You'll notice my, my backdrop is, in fact, the Wailing Wall. Anybody know what the Wailing Wall is? It's part of the great temple, Herod's Temple. And it's where Jewish people to this day uh, go to pray. And uh, they go there. They maybe will write out a prayer on a little piece of paper and stick it between the rocks in that wall. Uh, You can't do that this morning because those aren't real rocks, just so you know. But uh, we're going to be actually going there. There's a number of you who have signed up. I think we've got almost 30 people signed up to go to Israel. Really excited about that. Uh, have a feeling that it might be two or three trips that we will be taking because we've got that many people interested. But if you haven't signed up yet, we encourage you to do that. The places that we'll be talking about this summer are all the places that we will be visiting on our trip. So today, we're going to be talking, or visiting, the gates of hell. We're visiting the gates of hell this morning. That's right, you heard it. The gates of hell are located in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Jesus was with his disciples in that area. And of course, it's a famous area because there was a great temple there built by Augustus Caesar, um, by which the, you know, the, the area gets its name, Caesarea Philippi. There's a great temple built uh, to the god Pan. And this great big marble temple was built in front of um, a place called the Gates of Hell. Could we just see that picture, by the way? Um, there it is, there's, there's a, a kind of a, a distant shot. And if you go up a little closer, there it is. These are all these people in front of uh, a massive cave. And this was called the Gates of Hell, and I'll explain that to you in a moment. But basically, what Caesar did is he built a, a massive white marble temple in front of that cave. And... The priests of Pan would sacrifice human beings. What they would do, the, the temple now is in front of this cave. Just sort of imagine it. And what would happen is that they would go to the back of the temple where the cave is, and they'd throw human beings into this, into this sort of bottomless pit. And that was like real human sacrifices. And they would know whether or not the God had received or accepted that sacrifice by whether or not there was any sign of blood so if God, the god Pan rejected the sacrifice, then you would see blood in the streams around the area, and they'd know then that Pan had rejected the sacrifice, and you better go find somebody else to throw in the pit. Now, it, i got to tell you something. This was one of the highlights of my trip, the last trip I went to Israel. It was really exciting for me because I recognized that what Jesus was doing is he was using the familiar topographical... Um, uh, Places the people that the people were very familiar with, and he used this to reveal himself to the people. This is one of the the critical moments in Jesus' teachings, which you'll see in just a moment. But in this cave, which is very creepy, I got to tell you. uh, Actually, Kevin and I were there. Remember, Kevin? We went up to it, and uh, you you couldn't see a lot from where we were standing. But in fact, at the back of the cave was this this sort of bottomless pit. And uh, with with the still water, and that was a place that received many sacrifices of human beings. This will be a place that we visit, and uh, if everybody behaves, no one will be thrown (laughs) (laughs) into the cave. Let me say this to you today. This so-called gate to the underworld, the the gates of hell as, as the people knew it, represented the powers of darkness... And Jesus came to proclaim that he is more powerful and greater than any force, any power in this universe. Jesus came to proclaim that he was the light of the world, that he had come to set people free. Now I'm going to tell you this morning that that is what this church is all about. So Jesus is with his disciples in the area of Caesarea Philippi, And he throws out a question to them, and he says, who do people say that I am? Well, uh, his disciples said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, come back to life. Uh, Some people think that you're Jeremiah. Some think you're Elijah. Some think you're one of the prophets. Jesus said, well, that's interesting. And then he asked another question. But who do you think I am? And At this point, Peter says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to him is this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now I want to tell you something right now. This, these gates of hell is a backdrop for, again, one of the key teachings, one of the most important Christian teachings of the church And it's this. Everything hinges on Jesus Christ. If you take Jesus Christ out of the equation, and you don't have authentic Christianity, in fact, what you've got is you've got a form of godliness. You have a powerless gospel, a powerless church, a powerless Christianity. I'm so thrilled to hear these young missionaries up here that have just been in Costa Rica talk about proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you right now that this is absolutely critical to who we are and what we do. In fact, there are two things that are absolutely critical to the Christian faith and to your faith. Two things that, if it's not in your life, then you probably are not converted. You probably don't really know Jesus Christ yet. You probably haven't put your faith in Christ. You probably haven't been born again yet. How many know there are a lot of people that go to church who are not born again? That's Yeah, you don't have to put your hands up. It's okay. <laughs> You're sitting by your wife there, pastor. <laughs> don't point fingers at anybody. <laughs> Look straight ahead. There are people who go to church that don't... And this is not a condemnation. We're not judging anybody. But what I want to do today is I want to make it abundantly clear what it means to follow Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? And the very first thing that you're going to understand is that you need to have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Look what it says here in verses 16 and 17. Let me back up there one slide, please. Simon Peter answered... Let's read it together. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God... Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now, the very first thing you need to understand about being a follower of Jesus Christ, about being a Christian, is that you have had a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have come to the place where you understand that you realize that Jesus Christ is the answer to all your needs, and particularly to your spiritual need. There's a lot of people, believe it or not, who go to church their whole life and they never have that revelation, they never understand, they never really get it. They think going to church is all about singing in a choir, which is great, about playing an instrument, or about just sitting in the pew or the chairs and worshiping God. They think that's what church is about, about you know giving a little bit of money to a missions project about getting involved in one of the programs or ushering. They think that, that it's, it's the action. Now, I'm going to say, yes, that's part of it. But before all of that, first and foremost, there needs to be a revelation of Jesus Christ to your heart so that you understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that all you need is Jesus. That is what it means to be a follower of Christ. You understand that you need a revelation. Now, what is the revelation? Well, the revelation is very simple. It's a revelation that Peter had. And what, is Peter, what, is, what has been revealed to Peter about Christ Jesus is that he is, in fact, the Christ. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good man. He's the Messiah sent from God. He's the promised one. He's the anointed one. He's the one that is the hope of all the ages, the hope of all humanity, Jesus Christ is the only answer. This is the revelation that Peter gets. And, and, God said, and Jesus says to Peter, Man, this is amazing, because there's no human being that showed you this. This, is, this came right from God. You, Peter, have had an incredible supernatural experience. Has anybody here had a supernatural experience? Don't put your hand up. Anybody here had a revelation that Jesus is, in fact, God's Messiah? Anybody here recognize or have the revelation that Jesus Christ is all that you need? Peter recognized it. This was a supernatural moment. And I'm gonna tell you this. The very first supernatural experience you will have as a believer is this, that you need Jesus. Have you ever noticed Some people recognize they need Jesus and some people don't. For some people, it's in one ear and out the other. For some people, it's like, oh, if the pastor would only stop preaching so I could go and have lunch. And others are sitting on the edge of their chair listening to every word. They can't get enough. The difference is one is receiving revelation and the other is just hearing information. And it's not touching the heart. It's not supernatural. Now, one of the things you need to know today is that in this service, we're not just experiencing a a lecture or a speech. Some people call what I'm doing my speech. You know, Pastor, when you give your speech or your lecture, I'm not giving a lecture, I'm not giving a speech. Hopefully, I have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon me so that I can be used by God to bring you revelation. You get the difference. Those who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, have had a revelation that what they need is Jesus. They recognize that Jesus is all that they need. And there's a lot of people who go through life, going to church, part of the life of the church, and yet don't get any revelation. I know people like that. In fact, I know people who have been in church their whole life and have never, ever made that step or have experienced that step of faith where they say, ah, the lights come on and I realize or understand how much I need Jesus. Now, it, says in, it says in Acts chapter 4, and this, is, this was the, the preaching, this was the teaching of the early church, the very first preaching, the very first teaching was that there uh, is salvation in no one else. You know the verse, God has given no other name under heaven, by which we must be saved. This is a revelation. So the only hope for this world is that they experience a revelation of Jesus Christ and that they accept him as their Lord and Savior, as their Messiah. What does the Messiah do? Well, actually, if you read further on in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus starts to talk about the fact that he's going to be going to Jerusalem and suffering. Now, this is really strange for Peter because Peter has just proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah. And everybody, every Jewish person understood that the Messiah would be the one that would usher in the new kingdom and take over the world. That's what they're thinking. And, and Peter's excited about this. I mean, he is so excited. I mean, I get to, I'm on the winning team. I get to be with the Messiah who will take over the world. I'll probably want to be one of the great generals in his army. Uh, I'll, I'll get a... a, a uh, just a, a top cabinet post. Uh, I'll, I'll be the deputy prime minister, so to speak. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be in a top position here. And I mean, I'm the one that got to, to make the proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. But then further on in the chapter, Jesus says, well, actually, it's not gonna work this way. Uh, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm gonna suffer, and I'm gonna die. And Peter doesn't get this. He didn't understand what's going on here. He doesn't understand the greater revelation. He understands that Jesus is the Messiah, but he doesn't understand the significance of it. And a lot of people here don't understand the significance of who Jesus is and why he's important. So Jesus says, I gotta go. I gotta go and suffer in Jerusalem. And Peter says, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, what are you talking about? You're, you got this all wrong. You're not gonna do that. No, you're not gonna suffer. You're the Messiah, Remember? You're going to take over the world, remember? You're going to kick Romans out of Israel. It's going to be great days ahead. And Jesus is looking, right, looking at Peter right in the eye. He says, Satan, get behind me. Whew. Peter says, well, hold on. You just finished telling me that, that I'm blessed because God has given me a revelation of who you are. Now you're calling me the devil. That's right. Jesus actually calls him Satan. Satan, get behind me. Jesus says to Peter, you're a dangerous trap to me because you're trying to get me off course of what I'm supposed to do. And what's the Messiah supposed to do? What did the Messiah come to this earth to do? I'll tell you what he came to do, people. He came to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. He came to conquer darkness. He came to overpower the gates of hell. He came to bring new life to all who put their faith in this Messiah. Now, has Jesus Christ been revealed to your heart? Do you recognize, do you understand how much you need the Messiah to wash away your sins, to forgive you, to give you a new life? Because that's what the Messiah does. He has come to give you new life. He's come to give you abundant life. He's come to give you eternal life. That's what the Messiah does. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people, the world doesn't understand it. Do you ever hear the way the world ridicules and mocks Jesus Christ? Every cartoon that runs on television at some point mocks the church, mocks Christianity, mocks Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you this. If you've had a revelation of Jesus Christ and you know what Jesus Christ has done for you, then you will be horribly offended By the blasphemy that comes over the airwaves, you will shut the TV off. You will shut that person down who is blaspheming your Lord and your Savior. Peter gets a revelation of Jesus Christ, and God says, Jesus says, This is supernatural. This didn't come from human beings, it came right from God. Have you experienced that kind of miracle in your life? When you talk about miracles, the kids are talking about miracles. I'm going to tell you the greatest miracle of all is that Jesus Christ actually reveals himself to your heart and to mine. Have you had that experience? Because I'm going to tell you this, before there can ever be an earthly kingdom where Jesus rail, r- reigns, first of all, there's got to be a spiritual kingdom where God reigns in your heart. I'm going to ask you the question today, is Jesus reigning in your heart today? That means you're following him. That means you, remember we talked last week or week before, week before about the lordship of Jesus Christ where you have to do what he says. You've got to submit to him regardless of whether or not you feel like it or not. You're going to do what Jesus says because he's your lord and you've had the revelation that he's God. I remember when I had my first revelation, I was just eight years old. You say, oh, come on, Pastor, eight years old. What can you know at eight years old? What I mean? Come on. Oh, yeah. I had such, I mean, I remember at that point, my parents weren't serving God. They weren't going to church, but they, were sending, send, they sent me. I was just eight years old. And I had an incredible revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I needed to accept Jesus into my life. That didn't come from any man, any human being. It came right from God himself. It was a supernatural experience. I experienced God. I could feel his presence. And when I prayed, I felt like I had massive weights lifted off my shoulders. I felt that my sins had been washed away. I was free. Now, if anybody wants to put their hand up, you can do it at this point. How many have experienced the weight lift from your shoulders where you've been set free in Jesus' name? Just wave at me this morning. Woo! (laughs) Woo! We got one happy guy over there. (laughs) I remember reading Chuck Colson's story called Born Again. And actually, he recounts his own revelation. When God comes to him, he's sitting in the car, in his car, in the driveway of a friend, a Christian friend who faithfully shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with Chuck Colson. And remember, Chuck Colson is one mean, nasty Marine who is actually called the hatchet man for Richard Nixon, probably the worst and uh, dirtiest and most evil president uh, in modern times. You've heard of him, Richard Nixon. I am no crook. (laughs) Well, Chuck Colson worked for him. So that tells you how dirty this guy is. And all of a sudden, he gets a revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says, here I am... Um, he's a big man. He's, a, he's way over six feet tall. He's a massive frame, a, a Marine. He could swear as well as the, the best sailor around. Uh, he, he, was, he was quite an imposing figure, a high D-driven personality. But here he is sitting in the driveway at his friend's house, sitting in his car, slumped over, just crying his eyes out like a little baby. And he said, "I sure hope that the reporters didn't get, get get wind of this or see me because there I was, totally destroyed by this revelation of a loving Savior who could wash away my sin." Wow. And he was born again. He had the revelation of Jesus Christ. Have you had that yet? Here's the thing: as a pastor, I don't have to go around judging anybody or condemning. I don't do that. But I, I know who's converted. I know who's had the revelation. I know who's experienced Jesus Christ. And here's how I know it. I know it by two things. First of all, I recognize that Jesus Christ is at the core of your conversation and at the core of your activity. There's, there's just, every opportunity you have, somehow the conversation comes back to Jesus. No, if, if that's the case with you, then I know you're born again. I know that you've experienced a revelation because you can't help talking about the one you love the most. His name is Jesus. You just can't get enough of it. You just, you just want more and more. You're just hungry for the presence of Christ. When I uh, went to camp as a kid, i got to tell you, if you don't know this already, I was a very strange kid and probably still very strange by some people's estimations. Where's Gloria? (laughs) Um, When all the other kids were going, wanting to go swimming and play in the obstacle course and play football and basketball, I wanted to go to chapel. (laughs) I could not get enough time in chapel. I wanted to be on my knees praying. I wanted to be singing worship. I wanted to hear teaching. I wanted to hear preaching. I remember talking to this, we called him the spiritual guide, the pa- camp, camp pastor, and I said, can we have an afternoon chapel? As it was, we had one in the morning and one in the evening, and I w- thought we should have one in the afternoon as well, just for those who couldn't get enough. I was so hungry, so thirsty, couldn't get enough of it. Listen, when I see that in somebody, I know they had a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the core of your being. He he dominates. Jesus dominates your conversation. He dominates your thinking. He dominates your activity. Why? Because he's your Lord and he's filled your heart. The other thing that shows me that you have had a revelation of Jesus Christ is that Jesus continues to reveal truth to you continues to speak to you and every time you get a chance you want to share what it is that Jesus has revealed to you. Does anybody know anybody like that? Every time you get together with go oh no here he comes gonna be talking about Jesus again and be talking about something spiritual. Doesn't he, can he talk about football or something? Okay you know what we do have to be a little bit balanced. Uh, I gotta keep telling myself that. <laughs> but listen to me Listen you continue to experience revelation from God where God reveals truth to you. God opens your heart, he opens your mind and he keeps speaking to you and he keeps showing you new things. Listen to me, this is the exciting part of Christianity. This is the supernatural part of Christianity. We call ourselves Pentecostal, I'm gonna tell you, this is as Pentecostal as it gets. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit coming and revealing himself and revealing truth to your heart. Wow, wow. And folks, not just on Sunday, but every day. And as often as you open your Bible and read it and listen to what God has got to say to you. Want to hear somebody say, I open the Bible. I don't get anything out of it. I would say there's a good chance that maybe you haven't yet been converted. You probably probably like the idea of Christianity, but there's a good chance that maybe you are not converted yet. Because here's what I know for sure is that anybody who has been born again, anybody who has received Jesus Christ into their hearts and lives, when they open this book, the Word of God, it comes alive and it speaks to you. Because it's supernatural, folks. Do you get that? It's supernatural, it's holy, it's divine, it comes from heaven, and it's thrilling. John Romani, every time, where's John? Johnny, where are you? Stand up there. Let Just wave at everybody. Yeah, there he is. Okay. So he's one of the gang that started Crosstech, the little Bible study at school. I mean, because John loves, loves getting revelation from God and studying the Scripture, he just imagines that everybody else does. I mean, isn't that what every young teenager wants? <laughs> John, I don't think they all do. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this. Is that once they've had a revelation, once God begins to speak to their heart, then absolutely 100% it's all they want. So I'm asking you the question today have you had the revelation? Has Jesus revealed himself to your heart? I'm gonna tell you, there's no Christianity without revelation. Do you get that? mean, we can go through the motions. We can go through the rituals. You can go through. We can, you know, you know, do this and do that and whatever you have to do to be a Christian. And you know, the, the bells and the smells and all the rest of it. That that does not make you Christian. What makes you Christian is that you have had the revelation of Jesus Christ and you've accepted Him into your life and you obey Him. So, Pastor, what's the second half of that? And the second half will be a little briefer. There's got to be revelation of Jesus Christ, and then there's got to be proclamation of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. That's why we invest thousands of dollars in sending out these young teams to Costa Rica. And I, what I know is that from that, those 18 that were on the platform this morning, I know that some of them are going to be full-time missionaries. In fact, Gloria, Sarah, when, she, when I greeted her at the airport, said, hi, how are you? And hugged, kissed, whatever. And then she says, I just want to go back. I mean, my mom had just bought her a little box of Timbits and, like, thanks, that's great. She gets to see her grandma, her dad, her uncle, her friends. But I'm, I'm happier in Costa Rica, Dad. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot, my honey. Thanks a lot, dear. Okay, here's the thing, here's the thing, folks is because i've had the revelation of jesus christ and because i understand the importance of the proclamation of jesus christ i understand what's going on in her head and in her heart i know it's nothing personal i hope (laughs) i understand it's nothing personal i know that she has experienced the joy of proclaiming jesus christ i'm going to tell you again There's two things that are absolutely essential to Christianity. The first thing is that you've had a revelation of Jesus Christ, and the second thing is that you are involved in the proclamation of Jesus Christ. And if you're not involved in the proclamation of Jesus Christ, then I've got to ask you the question, what is going on in your head? What's going on in your heart? Are you sure? That you've had the revelation of Jesus Christ, because here's what I know: anyone who's had the revelation of Jesus Christ in their heart, they can't help proclaim it. Did you get that? Anybody's experienced that, man? You want to shout it from the rooftops. When I experienced the revelation of Jesus Christ, the first thing I did is marched right into my school and started telling everybody about Jesus, and they started calling me Father and Priest. I had to proclaim it. I, got, I had to tell the good news. These two things are absolutely critical. They're essential. And here's, here's what we read in verse 18. Look at this. Verse 18, please. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So, Jesus, so Peter, first of all, gets this revelation of Jesus Christ. And then, and then Jesus says this. He says, now that you've had this revelation, when you proclaim that I am the Messiah, you will, in fact, be building the church. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Some people think that this verse refers to uh, the Roman Catholic doctrine of the Pope. And this morning, if you're Roman Catholic, I'm I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to... You know, diss the Roman Catholic Church anyway. Um, but I'm going to just say this, just so that we have an understanding. They take this first to interpret that Peter was, in fact, the first pope. That Peter, which means rock, was the first pope of the church, and that upon Peter the church would be built. Okay, so here's, here's what we believe. We believe that the emphasis is not on Peter, but rather on his proclamation, we believe that the rock is, in fact, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is the rock. It's that proclaim, proclamation that builds the church that furthers, furthers the kingdom of God. Do you understand that today? And anybody who's had a revelation of Jesus Christ, who's born again, will then go to the second, second phase, and that is the proclamation phase, where you go and proclaim that Jesus Christ is the answer to every need and every hurt and every brokenness and every bit of darkness in this world today. That's why we send teams to Costa Rica. That's why we send team, teams to Burundi. Because we are in the proclamation phase. You have to do that. It's part of what it means to be a believer. It's part of what it means to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you this today. Peter proclaims here pre-Pentecost, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the hope of the world, God's anointed. He's the one sent from God. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church. Remember, Acts chapter 2 is actually the very first, that's the birth of the church, the very beginning of the church. It starts at Acts chapter 2, and what does Peter do? He stands up and he proclaims what? That Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is who and what you need. Now listen to this. If you go back and read Acts chapter 2, you know what you're going to discover? That over 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ that day. Over 3,000 people believed the proclamation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. This is the work that you and I are involved in. This is what we give money to. This is what we, we want to be part of. Because here's what I know for sure, that is if you have experienced the revelation of Jesus Christ, if you are converted, then you're also going to want to be part of the proclamation phase. You are either going to want to go, or you're going to want to give, or both. But I know this, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will either be giving and going, or giving and wishing you could go. Do I hear crickets in the house? Pastor, you're making it sound very narrow, this Christian road. Hmm, it's funny you should say that, because that's exactly what Jesus said. The road to heaven is very narrow. Jesus does not mince words. He does not shake it up and make it loose and just like, whatever you feel like doing, and you just do that, and, and you know, away you go. I want to tell you, the word of God is so directive in nature. It's there to guide. It's there to tell you what to do. It's there to tell you what the expectations are. There's no question what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means that you are on board to do what he wants you to do. It means that you are prepared to do whatever he says. And Jesus says, go ye into all the world. And do what? Make disciples. Go into all the world, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You get the revelation, you're born again, and then you proclaim. These are the two critical essentials to Christianity. And I've got to ask you the question this morning. uh, Is there evidence of these two things in your life? The good news is this, that you don't have to go away from this place the way you came. You can, in fact, experience the revelation, you can experience the joy of being part of the proclamation. You can have that experience today. The Bible tells us very clearly that all we have to do is call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be, yeah. All you do is cry out to God, say, God, I want this. I I need this revelation, and I want to be part of the proclamation. i am got to tell you this. There's some people who never never give a nickel or a dime towards the furthering of the kingdom of God. They're not part of the proclamation process. They could care less about that. Pastor, just let us sing some good songs. Pastor, could you tell a lot of jokes and make me laugh? Because that's the part I really like. And I just go away from here feeling really warm and fuzzy. Okay, can I just tell you something? When I went into the ministry and was ordained to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I did not sign up to be a comedian. I did not sign up to make you warm and fuzzy and cozy and feeling great. What I came to do is I came in the name of Jesus Christ to tell you the truth, the truth that sets people free. And so while I will not ask for money for myself, I am thrilled, I am delighted to invite people in our church to give towards the work of furthering the proclamation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you this, humanitarian work, fantastic. But, 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 humanitarian does not solve the problems of this world. It's the proclamation of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who sets human beings free. Do you get that today? I mean, we can fill their bellies and we can give them doctor's aid and help and, and we can give them you know, supplies and we can put clothes on their back, but ultimately what they need is not just a glass of water, they need the living water. Isn't that right? They need their hearts touched by the Spirit of God. They need the revelation that will set them free. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we invite you to give. That's why we invite you to tithe. What is a tithe all about? It's just you saying, I want to be part of the great work of furthering this good news about Jesus Christ. Evidence of conversion is a burning desire to see the kingdom of God advance. You want to give. You want to go. And if you don't want to give, and if you don't want to go, and you're being stingy, let me just say that you probably don't really get what it's all about. I want to invite you today to, to go to that new place where you say, God, open my heart up to hear the truth, to see the truth. I can tell you this, once I was converted, I wanted to give, give, give. I was so excited to give. Dennis, I know you, you got your, your uh, child care plus and you got kids that you're sponsoring. You know what, when I was just about 12 years old, I went to uh, my Sunday school superintendent and said, I want to sponsor a kid. I all had was a paper route. My mom is here, she'll remember that. I just wanted to do that. I wanted to be part of that process of getting the word out about the love of Jesus Christ. That's evidence of conversion, people. That's evidence of being born again. That's evidence that you are a follower of Christ. So how many know that church is not all about just making quilts and, and having dinners and potlucks and singing nice songs and... We I mean, know that. It's not just about coming to church, have a cup of coffee, and give a few people a high five. It's not what it's about. It's part of it, but it's, it's not what it's about. It's about revelation, getting revelation from Christ, and then proclaiming that good news. Now, here's the good news before we close here. Jesus says this, and this is fantastic. He says, the gates of hell will never overcome the church. The true church, that is. Because how many know there's a lot of churches that call themselves churches, but it's not church. It's a religious club. They don't even know Jesus Christ. They don't appreciate Jesus Christ. In fact, many churches today will so-called, I'm going to say so-called churches, they, they'll say, well, there's many roads, to Jesus, many roads to heaven, many roads to God. Can I just tell you something? You've got to keep Jesus number one. And I'm going to tell you. Because it is offensive. I'm going to be the first one to admit that. It, Christianity seems so intolerant. How many know that? That's why there's a world out there that hates us. Because here's what you need to know. Truth does not bend. Truth is not flexible. Does everybody get that? Truth is absolute, or it's not truth. Truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one comes to the Father except through Buddha. <laughs> or what's that, Reverend Moon? <laughs> it's No one comes to the Father except through? Yeah. Now, I've got to tell you this. Jesus has made it really difficult for us preachers over the years. I wish I could say, well, there's many roads that lead to heaven. But I can't because Jesus said he's the only way. So there's, there's, that's, that's, that's the end of the story. Now, here's what I know for sure. is that It's this proclamation of Jesus Christ as the only way. This intolerant Jesus. This is what the world takes issue with. And this is what has caused the world to attack the church the way it has especially in these last 15 years how many have seen have been appalled really at the at the attacks on the church Any, anybody recognize that anybody see that anybody hear that i'll tell you part of the reason is the church's fault because they've forgotten that the main thing is to proclaim jesus how many know that christianity is not a political party it's not a polit- political position it's truth And truth transcends all parties, all politics, all religions. Either you have the truth or you don't. But I know this. And Jesus says, the whole world is afraid of the gates of hell. Remember, he's with the disciples in Caesarea Philippi. The whole world's afraid of the gates of hell. They're afraid of the gods, Pan, and all the other gods. But I can tell you this today. There's something more powerful, something greater, something grander than all the forces of darkness in this world than all the gods that set themselves up as holy and true and righteous. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm the only way. And I'm going to tell you this, Jesus says, the gates of hell, the gates of darkness, the powers of evil will never, ever, ever overcome the true church. Ever. (laughs) Ever. I was on a missions trip last year. Some of you remember. I came home with a broken leg, and uh, some people asked, "Well, the devil must be after you." I said, "Well, probably, but it doesn't scare me because I know the devil's." Uh, well, I just tell the devil to go to hell. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really about the only time you can say that as a Christian, right? <laughs> I know that he's going he's gonna to fry forever. I know he hasn't got a hope. He's going to do whatever he can to stop the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. But I know this, the gates of hell will never, ever overcome or prevail against the proclamation of truth, the proclamation of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to take my brand of Christianity around the world. I'm just trying to bring them Jesus. You get that? It's all about Jesus. Now listen, we were in Kandaba. Uh, a province in the Philippines. What's that province again? That's a... Uh, Pampanga. Did I say it right? I can't say anything right in Tagalog, but I think I got that one right. Anyways, we, we went to this place where we were, we were on this trip to go and preach the gospel. And we got to... We get to Kandaba. Kandaba, right? And there's water up to our waist. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm the one that's got to speak. I'm thinking to myself, who's going to be in church today? <laughs> I mean, there's water up to your waist everywhere. We, they had to they have to drive us in on this special rice paddy uh, machines that, that that farms rice paddies. I, I can't even explain to you what the machine is, but it was cool to ride on it. I got pictures. We get to the church, and now these poor people are flooded out. And we get inside, and we, lo and behold, the place is full of people. They heard we were coming. And we were able to bring some humanitarian aid to them. We were able to bring them uh, medication. We were able to bring them food and uh, uh, counseling. Uh, the whole, I think the whole Daba, uh, Dava family was there counseling. And there's Jarrell handing out medication. I don't know if you know this, but Jarrell is a pharmacist. <laughs> In the Philippines, that is. <laughs> and before anybody was getting anything... They're gonna hear the word of God. Folks, I gotta tell you, I had no idea what to expect. I was thinking, God, is this gonna work? <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm just being honest. But I just I just felt God say, just get up there and tell them about Jesus. Get up there and just tell them that 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 Jesus loves them. So I got up there and that was you remember, you remember that? We got up there started preaching. sharing the love of God, and there was Al and Wendy occupying the kids up in the balcony there somewhere just to keep them out of the way, and uh, I just started proclaiming Jesus Christ. We gave an altar call, and everybody came, and then we had to say, oh, no, this isn't just for everybody. This is only for those who want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, And so those who don't, who are not here for that, just sit down and wait and you can come and we'll pray for you later. But this is just for those who want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now listen to this. Satan meant to destroy and damage and kill and rob because that's christ these people had come and discovered hope in the midst of the flood and all these people i don't know there i don't want to say hundreds but definitely dozens and dozens and dozens of people there to receive christ into their hearts and i just i just looked behind me And there was the pastor of the church who'd been praying all these years, praying for this community, praying for these people. He's behind me now sobbing his eyes out because of the miracle that Jesus had performed that morning in the midst of the floods. Sobbing his eyes out. By the time we were done preaching, then we said, anybody who wants to come forward for prayer, you just come and I mean, you'll remember we were we were praying for people. There was one girl that that had an evil spirit in her, and there's some people that scares the daylights out of them because they're afraid of the gates of hell. But how many know that where Jesus Christ is, there's nothing to be afraid of? And so we just stood up, put our hands on that girl, and we just, in Jesus' name, commanded that those evil spirits to depart from that girl. And so, just very gently, she just fell to the ground, and it just it was just quiet. I'm going to tell you, for, for a deliverance, for, for releasing this girl from an evil spirit, it was one of the most beautiful things I ever experienced. It was beautiful, because you could just see that all of the tension, all the evil leave, and all of the peace and the love of God flood her heart. She had a revelation of Jesus Christ that day. And now you understand why I' got to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That's who we are, that's what we're about. Now we're a few minutes over. Is that okay with everybody? We're going to pray now for the team that's going to go to Burundi. And we're going to pray that God will do something extraordinary. One of the things that we will be doing is we, we're going to be ministering to uh, 100 pastors. We've got a, 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 a medical team going. Uh, we've, we've got all kinds of, uh, of projects that need to be done on the, uh, the existing base We've got somebody that's going to be teaching English as a second language. Uh, we've got Dennis is overseeing everything and, and keeping us all in line. We, ama- we have an amazing experience, an amazing opportunity in our hands to, to truly touch that country. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Um, one of the things that we're, we've been invited to do is go to talk to the president of the country And so we need you to pray that God would give us the grace and the wisdom that we we need. Dennis has been there before, and Dennis says, are you ready to go again? And I thought, well, I'll have to put my suit in a suitcase. Uh, Pray it doesn't get wrinkled. (laughs) But we're going to go in the name of Jesus Christ and in the name of Cross Church to go and share the love of Christ with these people. Now listen, listen. I need you, I need you to really, really pray because we have the potential to influence and impact that country in a way that will that's unprecedented really and that we will be ministering not to churches but to pastors who have responsibility for all of these churches so we need you to pray we need you to to get on board if you can't go then you want to give because you understand that in addition to the revelation of Jesus Christ is the proclamation of Jesus Christ amen I'm going to ask all of the Burundi team to come and join us at the front. And uh, folks, if you could just bear with us for about five more minutes, and then we'll be done.